It's great to be with you this morning. Uh, we, uh, as the elder board, we almost all of us got to go up to June Lake uh, Friday morning, and uh, we met, and uh, we've spent some time thinking and praying about our church. We met with uh, a man who works with uh, pastors and churches uh, primarily, and just helps them and encourages them. And it was it was a great time. It was a great time. Uh, I think all the elders that got to go come back have come back, and I think the word is jazzed and excited uh, about what we had learned, and just really encouraged, really encouraged about uh, one of the things that kind of stood out to me of our time as to, um, as the elders, the, the primary role of an elder is not so much meeting and meetings and uh, working on budgets and thinking about uh, visions and this and that, but shepherding, of really caring for people. And uh, we as the elders have been reminded that that's what we are called to do and want to do. And uh, that's super exciting for us to be refocused on that. Uh, I'm excited uh, because I got to know the elders better. I knew them all prior to going, but uh, spending time hearing their heart, uh, hearing their passion and care and concern for this church uh, just excites me about the future of what is going to go on here by God's grace. And so we're excited about the future, and uh, I'm excited about working with them uh, these men that God has called here. I, I'm reminded too, um, and it, it's kind of an interesting uh, time. Uh, it's Pastor Appreciation Month, and for all the long, hard year of service that I've given to you, uh, what a joke. Uh, uh, but uh, I, I was reminded too, as I spent time with Jim and Mike and Brandon, uh, the blood, sweat, and tears that they have invested in this church. And uh, they are really the horsemen here. Um, and I think they deserve, they deserve honor, uh, badges, medals. And uh, they have served you and served you well. And so I just encourage you to be thankful to the Lord uh, for what God has brought you here at this church. And God's been good. Open up your Bibles this morning to John chapter 17. I think this will be the last message on the power of the church. Uh, you remember a few weeks back we talked about fellowship as being a powerful, powerful, energizing force in our lives as the church, first from our relationship with God and then our relationship with one another, our fellowship with one another. And then we went and talked about the power of the word, that we actually have and hold God's word. That's an amazing thing. And that uh, as we understand it, as we grasp it, that we would acknowledge it in our own heart as not the word of men, but as it truly is the word of God. And then last week we talked about prayer and just how prayer is not just something we do or an idea or a practice, but that it is a powerful force, a powerful force that requires labor on our behalf, even as Epaphras did for a church that he loved, that we should be laborers in prayer for this church. This morning, we're going to look at uh, John chapter 17. And I'd ask that in honor of God's word that you'd stand as I read to you verses 20 through 26. 
And this is Jesus speaking and praying. He said this, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, and are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know you that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. God, help us to embrace the message uh, that you have recorded for us, this beautiful prayer of your son, Jesus. Help us to understand the significance for this local church. Help us to understand the significance and responsibility for us individually. Help us to be overwhelmed at the amazing treasure we hold in Christ. And this is all in His name. Amen. Please be seated. John 17 and other passages that describe that Jesus prayed is always difficult for me to grasp. I know I need to pray. I know there's a sense of need on my part to communicate with the Father through the Son. I understand that. At least in, in logic, I understand that. But that the Father and the Son being in perfect unity, that even in this perfect relationship, as Jesus was here on this earth, He took time out to pray. That's so mind-boggling to me. And in a, in a motivational way in my own heart, I, I think if Jesus prayed, I should surely pray. If Jesus saw the need for communication, and I hate to use that word need because, you know, his needs and my needs are different, right? If Jesus prayed and he, he went before the Father and he communicated with the Father. And so we get this amazing passage, John 17, where it describes what Jesus prayed for. A lot of times it just said he went and prayed. We don't know what he was praying for. We don't know what he was communicating. And this is one of the few places that we see the heart of Christ laid out before the Father. And it's interesting. You could look at it in your own time, but we get this peek into the relationship of the Father and the Son. I think about how interesting it is to be in homes. It's great to be in someone's home because you understand things about people by being in their home. 
Some of you are like, ah, I don't want you to be in my home. There's things we don't, you don't want to know. You just don't want to know. Uh, and, and to overhear conversations are interesting too. Some of you are professional eavesdroppers, right? Some of you are, right? You're nosy. Yeah, curious, nosy. There's always a positive spin, right? It's super amazing to see a relationship within family, how people communicate when they're really revealing their hearts to one another and to see their relationship. And what a precious thing for us this morning to look at the relationship with the Father and the Son in perfect unity. What an amazing opportunity we have in God's Word recorded for us. In this, uh, it's interesting, and this happens for all of us. If you're around us long enough, you know what we love. You know what we love. I was with some men uh, these last couple of days, and it was interesting. Uh, Some of the men at, at our time together, they love music. They love music. And as they began, you know, as we bumped into the issues of music and somebody mentioned something, they, they, they perked their interest in this, that, and the other thing. We were in a beautiful place, and we were overlooking uh, a lake, and um, someone would say something about a lake or fishing, and then all of a sudden, the music people kind of peeled off one way, and the, the fishermen take, took the stage, right? And they had all kinds of things to talk about. All of a sudden, someone would say something or they'd see a car and they'd start saying, well, someone would say, well, that's kind of, you know, a 57 Chevy or something. Oh, and then all of a sudden the car guys would come in, right? And there wasn't enough baseball talk in the last couple of days. I just want to tell you that right now. When you hear someone talk, you realize what's important to them. And when you hear someone pray the things they bring and, and concern themselves, we, we get a picture of the priorities of Christ and what he saw as important. It was interesting. I was, in, uh, it, it, I was hanging out with the, the Sparks last week in Awana. And if you have kids, bring your kids out to our Awana program. It's a great opportunity. I think some of you think you know, we don't have time for uh, training our kids and stuff like that. Okay, try when they're 20, okay? Seriously, try it then. How's that going to work out for you? Oh, no, wait till they get to junior high. That's a good idea. That's a great idea. I think there's a phrase, it's hard to get the horses back in the barn or something like that. Come on now. Time's a wasting. Time's a wasting. But I was with them and they were having a prayer time and uh, Jetty asked, uh, does anyone have a prayer request? And one of the kids raised his hand. He says, I want a bunny. Did great, by the way, Jenny, handling these things. And she said, okay, um, we've been praying for bunnies for a long time, and so we'll pray for that and move over a couple of kids. you have any prayer requests? Yeah, I want two bunnies. I want two bunnies. I want two bunnies. You're seeing priorities here, right? You're seeing priorities? Um, goes around, uh, one of the young ladies who will remain nameless, uh, but uh, she says, I want curly hair. I want curly hair. And so we were praying for bunnies and curly hair and the deep things of life and the sparks. Um, 
we get to see what Christ himself prayed for as we look at this prayer. It's, a, it's amazing and just awesome picture into the heart of God. And it's so amazing as we look at this prayer, he first, he prays really for the plan to come to fruition. That in the first part of chapter 17, as he's interacting the father and the son, the son says to the father, he talks about his own glorification and his own completing the plan. And he prays regarding those things. And then he turns to his disciples, his followers of the day, and he prays for them. He prays for them of being in the world. And and we think about this often, that he says they're in the world, but not of the world. And he calls, he prays that they would be set apart and holy in this ugly and filthy world. And he prays for them that they would be holy and holy because they know the truth and the truth is theirs. That the truth would somehow preserve them in this world. And then we get to the passage that we're going to look at this morning. And it's it's so amazing. As I was reading over this and thinking this week, I, I kind of got giddy inside. You, you know, have you ever thought through that scene of an inheritance, the reading of a will? And, and, you know, an uh, incredibly wealthy man or relative, someone that you know, and you're sitting there in the reading. I've never done this before, by the way. I, I look forward to one day inheriting great wealth. I don't know if it will ever happen, but I just look forward to it. <laughs> but I, as I read this passage, I think, I think the reading of a will, I've seen it in many movies where they go, and then you're kind of sitting in the back row going, this is just an exercise. And then all of a sudden they mention your name and you go, I can't believe it. He's thought of me. He's thought of me. I'm in the riches. I, I was thought of by the the riches of this person. I was thought of when it came. And this is what it comes to. is Jesus, as he's praying, he's prayed for the plan of his own life to come to fruition. He has prayed for his disciples, his followers right there. And then he says this. Look at verse 20. He says, I do not ask for these only, the disciples that had been there, his followers that he'd already spoken of. But he says, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, the ones who are to come. And I go, that's us. That's us. That's Bear Valley Church. If you're not a believer here today, thanks for coming. It's great. It's great that you're here. We want you to see inside the home. We want you to hear our conversation. It'll it'll explain itself out even as we look at this text this morning. But it's crazy that, that Jesus, as he prayed, he prayed. He prayed for us when I wasn't even a twinkle in my mom's eye and she wasn't a twinkle and, you know, it goes back and back and back. You you understand that, that he knew about us before we knew about us, okay? He knew about Bear Valley Church, He knew about our needs. And he prays something very specific this morning, something that maybe you find, maybe it's not time to talk about this. Maybe you will see that as we look at this this morning. I find ourselves in a privileged place of inheritance as I read this passage. He cares about me. He mentions me. In verse 21, and, and really, there's not a really good outline. I have one. But this passage is really hard to get through. Even as I read it, I, I don't know if you, any of you got lost. 
There's a lot of him and me and I and them, and, and you're wondering, oh, okay, I need, a, I need a diagram of this. I need a, a X's and O's, right? But as you look at this, he, he prays for those who will believe in the word. And in verse 21, he says, that they may all be one. That they may be one. What does Jesus pray for? For us, that we would be one that we would be unified, that we would be together. That seems like an interesting time, Kevin, that you would talk about such things. Fair Valley Church gone through a church split, hasn't it? I mean, I, I can't believe I'm saying those words out loud. I'd like to call it something else. Well, we've had a little trouble. There's a reality to that, isn't there? And now I come in and I'm going to talk about unity what Jesus prayed for. It's what Jesus prayed for. It was a priority to him. And, and let's look at what he, he, he says. This is my desire for the church, that they would be one, that they would all together be one. He goes back and forth, and he's going to say this again, but I, I want you to see this. It's not just a oneness. It's interesting. When I, when I think of unity, sometimes I think of clubs, clubs. In Bear Valley here, there's always um, the unique person, kind of the crossover, the bridge, is the person who golfs and rides horses. You know, you know, the swing voter. There's some tennis players, too, on the outskirts, you know. But uh, th- that idea of the horse people and the, the golf people. Um, you, you think that through and you think, well, you gather around a group of people that really you connect with. Even as I shared before, some of you have been involved in clubs. You know, a club based on a nationality, the uh, German men of America or something like that. You get together and wear lederhosen and stuff like that. And, and, and there's a sense of connection you have through a group. You get connection. And... And this is one of those things in a much more significant way, as you will see, that he calls us to be one. He calls us to be one. He prays that we would be one. He says uh, that they may be one. Listen to this. You've got to get this. It's good to be one, right? Hey, I understand Christ is praying for us to be one. That's a good idea. It's a good idea at Bear Valley Church. We've had some problems, you know. We need to be one. I'm with you, Kevin. But read this and see how he goes. He says that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Wait a minute. What kind of unity is he talking about here? Is he talking about unity like they have in the horseman's club and the golf club? People who, you know, are part of Rotary or part of uh, the Lions Club, Lion, Lion Larry and Lion Bob and, you know, those different things. Not talking about the mathletes or anything else. He says, I want, I want those who will believe in me as they come to share in a unity that Christ says that you and I have, Father. That you would have that same that we would have the same unity that the Father and the Son have. How's that hit you? Uh, don't have that yet. Don't have that yet. That's something far more significant than I've ever understood. He says that, uh, Father, that are in me and I in you, and that they also may be in us, 
that they may be in us. And so this unity that the Father and the Son share is both the model and really the resource because we, as God's people, are saved into Christ. We're saved into Christ. That there is a new unity that we have with Christ. And so being in Christ, we share in the unity of the Father and the Son. Ooh, that's big stuff. That's big stuff. It gets bigger. It gets bigger. Follow on. It gets practical and it, it meets us here in Bear Valley Springs and Tehachapi and what God has called us to do. He, he explains that that's his desire for us to be unified just as the Father and are in me and I in you. And they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. There's an implication here of our unity of our connection one to another. What is the result of the unity of the body of Christ? What is the result? Look at it again. That they, that they, people who don't believe, people who don't believe, that they, wherever they are, people who reject the gospel, that they would believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That he's the one to come. You know, uh, have you talked to anybody and say, well, do you believe in God? Do you have a relationship with Christ? Do you understand these things? A lot of times people will say, I don't believe in Jesus. They'll just say it outright. And you say, well, what don't you believe? And, and he's a historical figure. He, he really came. There's historical books. It's kind of weird to say you don't believe in Jesus because if you say you don't believe in Jesus, you could say that you don't believe in me, but I'm still right here. And just because you don't believe it doesn't mean it's not true. And you, you got them going and they said, no, no, no. I, I believe that he existed. I just don't believe that he was God. I don't believe that, that he was God down here. And, and what is the thing that turns a mind? What is the thing that God is using in the world today? Look at what it says. He says that they would all be one, that they would all be one, so that the world would believe that you're the one who sent me, that Jesus would be affirmed as the one who came from the Father to this earth to be that sacrifice. How will they believe in Jesus through our unity? Wow, that's heavy, isn't it? That's heavy. We look at this passage and he says, he calls us and he prays for us to have unity. He says that this unity will be that of the Father and the Son because we're of Christ, we're in him. That this unity, that this unity will be this winsome, life-changing uh, testimony in the community. How? Because that's what he will draw people to the Lord through. That will be winsome in the hearts of men and women. Verse 22, he goes on to say, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. Isn't that, how do you feel when you read that? Now he goes and he talks about the, the glory of the Father. We sang about that. We talked about just how glorious God is. And, and God and Christ share that glory. They they have equal glory, and they it's magnificent. And that same glory Christ gives to His people, that they might be amazing. 
Not because they are amazing, but because Christ is in them. This is a heavy passage. I'm not doing it justice. I, I, I realize that. But this is an amazing thing that Christ, his priority for the church is unity. And he, and he, he says, it's a unity you, you can't even imagine. And he says, I'm going to do great things through this unity. And I've given you my glory that you might share, that you might share that there might be something magnificent in you. As I, as I look at this, I think about uh, who we are. And every once in a while, you look in the mirror and you get a clear picture, don't you? Not so good, right? Not so good. I, I think that, uh, that there's a sense in which we like to live in a world of I am awesome. I am awesome. That's what video games are all about, right? I am awesome. You ever play video games? Maybe you should. It's a great feeling. It's a great feeling. I don't, I'm not a big gamer, but every once in a while you do something great. It's kind of like golf. Uh, but every once in a while you do something great, and then you go, then you go, I'm awesome! And then you play your kid, and you realize that you're not awesome at anything. You know? Do you see that? Do you see that? There's a reality there. We get a clear picture every once in a while of our sin and who we are. And, and, and then we see the standards of Christ and even look at a passage like this of unity and you're going, are you kidding me? Me? I'm not much. I, I even argue with myself sometimes. I, I got problems. I got issues. I got things going on. And yet this passage tells us that we're not alone without resources. The glory of Christ is in us. Wow. He shares that with us. Hard to, hard to get, a, get my mind around. The glory of God resides in us. Verse 23. This is my second point. It's the same as the first point, but I just wanted to have more points. Verse 23 says this, I in them and you in me. This is Christ speaking. He's praying this again. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one. Perfectly one. My second, my first point was uh, that that we would all be one. The second one is that we would be perfectly one. Okay? Perfectly one. If you didn't get it in the first point, it's in the second point. That this is a perfect unity. That this is a, a sweet unity that we can't see distinction. Can't see distinction. You know, it, it's not like a puzzle where you can see where the, the there's a picture there, but you say, oh, I see where this piece. And as it gets older, the pieces kind of fall apart, and you can see gaps. And you say, this is kind of this piece is ready to fall off. He said that this the unity that we that he is praying for is perfect unity. It's not something that's loose or insignificant in any way. It's a perfect unity. And once again, it's connected. What does he say in verse 23? I and them and you and me. That's why it can happen. Christ says, I am in you, Father, and you are in me, and they are in me. So we can share in this perfect unity. This perfect unity. Perfectly one. Verse 23 again. I, I want you to get this point. And it, it is really the point of the message this morning. 
There's another so that in the middle there. Why are we to share in this perfect unity or this perfect oneness? So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Um, I, I want to tell you something. How does someone come to know Christ? How does someone come to know Christ? They need to hear the message, right? They have to have a preacher, right? And we're preacher by preacher, I'm not talking about like preacher, preacher. I'm talking about someone that will proclaim the good news, the, the saving message of the gospel. They need a messenger. But I want to tell you, they need to see it too. They need to see it. It's interesting that uh, we love hearing stories. I love hearing stories. I remember hearing some Gideon stories where, uh, you know, a man found a Bible, came to know Christ. Love hearing that story. I, I love hearing a story of tracks where someone was down on their luck and um, I, they found a track and it explains the gospel that came to know Christ. I love hearing stories like that. I think of one man in our church here that uh, no one invited him to church. He just drove by the church a lot of times. And God worked in his heart and twisted his arm. And so one day he turned in and he's been back many times after that, years. He's here today. I think of stories, I love that. And yet God's method of salvation, do you get it? Do you get it? The people would see it. And they would see it, what's great about it, they wouldn't see it in just one person but they would see it in us collectively, us collectively. And our unity and, and, and the display of this unity is not just that we're together, but did you get the so that in there? That they would know two things, two things. Well, the first one was that they would know that they would know that Jesus is the one, Jesus is the one and that he loved them that he loved them. Do you get that? That the love of Christ for the world should be displayed in us. That's heavy, isn't it? I, I, when I read this, and I've read it in other passages and seen it in other places, you, you know what the great advertisement for this church is? It's you. And it's not just you. It's you and the other people here, your relationship with one another. The big winsome thing that Christ wants to use in the unbelieving world is he wants to draw people to himself through our relationship of unity that he has given us. That's heavy. That's heavy. Verse 25. I'll skip down. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, even though the world does not know you. He's been talking about the world, the world, the world that they might know. And he says, they don't know. They don't know. Even though the world does not know you, I know you. Christ says, I know you, Father. And these know you, these ones I've been praying for, these one, us here who know the gospel. We, if we know him, he's talking about us here. Isn't that great? That, that, these, that these know you, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, 
I know you and these know you that you have sent me. We know that Christ, that you are the one. Verse 26, I made known to them your name. The Son made the Father's name known to us that we might know him personally. I will continue to make it known that the name of the Father, that we would be ones that follow after God. That Christ has a continuing relationship with us. And then he says it again. That the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Not just the glory, right? What is in us? The love of Christ. How great is that love? It's the same love. It's the same love that the Father and the Son share. Isn't that amazing? I'm looking for bigger words, actually. I want to say awesome, but that's been worked by the 80s, you know. This This is big stuff. This is overwhelming. It's kind of that sense of like, this is a lot more important than I was thinking it would be. I thought we were just supposed to be nice to each other at church. I want you. I want to point out some things, and hopefully, I'll, I'll end soon. I'm serious. I hope I do. These two words that are used here, believe and know, in this passage, they're salvation words. They're salvation words. And, and and what struck me as I went over this passage, and and it really, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I never knew this passage was in the Bible. It just came, it just magically appeared when I was planning a church. And, and I was thinking through how do we reach a community? How do we, uh, how do we do this? Uh, you know, how do I, uh, when I'm at my kid's school, how will I be able to share the gospel at the school? How will I be able, when I'm at the little league field, how will I be able to impact that place in such a way that people would come to know Christ? And, and I, I, it was in there that, that this is how they'll believe and this is how they will know. It's through the unity and love that we have in Christ that's connected. It's the same one that he and the Father have. This is, this is missions work 101, right? This is how we do it, is that we are unified and that we are loving one another and displaying this love that we don't make up on our own. Um, I, I, I think there's some despair that comes out of this passage, and maybe even at a time like this, there's kind of that elephant in the room feel, right? Unity. We're not so unified right now. I don't feel very unified. In fact, there's some people that I know are believers, and I don't really want to talk to them right now. I get weirded out when I see them in Albertsons. You know, I, I don't know how to repair that. I've tried to. How does this all work? Can't do it. Can't do it. I want you to know that this is all of the Bible. All of the Bible. You come through it and if you say, I can do that, you, you misread. Read again. Read again. You either misread or you haven't looked in the mirror lately. We're not the can-do people we think we are. That this that Christ prays for us. He doesn't pray that we would be awesome. He prays that we would share in that which he has given us, 
The unity that we have isn't something we figured out here at Bear Valley Church. The unity that we have is the same of the Father and the Son. It was given to us in Christ. You say, well, I have a tough time loving people. Join the club. First John, what does it say? We love because he first loved us. This isn't a resource that we have because we're good people and we live in a nice community. It's paradise on earth, right? Paradise is Bear Valley Springs. Um, I, I want you to get this. I want you to get this, that we don't have the resource to do this, so it's got to be found in Christ. A few things, I'll go through these quickly. I have six things that will help us build a unity with God's people right here at Bear Valley Church. First of all, love the gospel. First of all, love the gospel. Treasure it. It's the place we meet. It's the place we meet. It's the place we unify. I was listening to uh, some of the music folks talk, and Brandon was one of them. And I'm hearing him talk about music, and, and I'm going, I thought we could be friends. You know, I really, I really, you know, I love you, Brandon. I've known you for years. I just thought we could be friends. But the way you're talking right now, I don't even know what you're talking about. And you know what's great about that? That's, that's the church, right? The gospel. That's what we share here. You know, if we had pockets of people with different things, the quilters are the people I just don't understand. <laughs> right? Quilting. My mom's an old lady quilter. Even before she was older, she was a quilter. And I just didn't get it. She'd get all this, you know, the squares and she'd use that cutter thing. And I don't get it, Mom. You know, we, we don't gather around those type things. We gather around the gospel. And you say, well, why will that be a big thing? I'll tell you why. Because it's at the core of who we are. We may love different things, different foods. We may come from different nationalities. We may be older, younger, and all those things. But what should unite this church is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if all those things go away, it's been interesting for me to watch some people talk about their life. And they say, I used to be into this. I knew one man, uh, he came to know Christ. He was an avid football fan. I mean, he loved football. He, uh, he loved the 49ers. And uh, his, it was interesting. He told me, he said, I had season seats for the 49ers for a bunch of years, a bunch of years. I had him every year. It's what I did. It's what I did Sunday morning. And he said, I used to take my wife to church and drop her off with the kids and then go football time. He said, I, I did that every week. And I would, I would go to the games and it was the most important thing. I, I spent my money around the 49ers. They were a lot better than they are now. But it, it's what, what drove his life. And he said, I came to know Christ and took me a season maybe two. And then he said, still love football, but I got places to be. <laughs> I got things that are more important. It's an important thing to realize that we need to treasure the gospel. You know, if, it, if things are more important to you than the gospel, we will find disunity real quick. But it's the thing that brings us together, the gospel. Secondly, I gather around the word, gather around the word. Uh, it's real simple why I say gather around the word, because it's the authority. It's the authority. Uh, how many opinions do we have here? Different opinions. How many people do we have here? Some of you even would say, um, 
you know, tell me your opinion. So just so I can have a different one, you know, you're that person. And, and everyone's got a different opinion, you know, uh, I, I really want to talk about politics right now, but I won't. Different opinions, and, and, and it, it gets us going, right? You know what the reality is? Who cares about your opinion in the church? Who cares? And don't, don't be offended by me saying that. Who cares about my opinion in the church? It, it's a sense that this is God's church, paid for it with His Son, right? He sent His Son, His precious Son, not just to hang out here for a while, right? He came, lived a sinless life, and then He gave Himself for this church. This church, that, that he might, it says in 1 Corinthians, that we are bought with a price, a price. And you go, yeah, there's a price. I was pretty valuable. Are you kidding me? He overpaid. He overpaid in an in a extravagant, just overwhelming sort of way. That he overpaid. And so if he overpaid and that, that we have different opinions, this, his word, his thoughts, sit at the center of who we are and we gather around the word. It unifies us. As we submit our opinions and ideas to the word of God, it's interesting how we both come up to the right answer, right? That's not necessarily the one we started with, right? (laughs) Gather around the word. Thirdly, we shouldn't, any of us, uh, use our personality or the personality of others as an excuse as an excuse. Some of us uh, are, are ornery uh, by birth, by birth. And, and we just say, well, that's just my personality. That's my personality. And people just need to deal with it. Deal with it. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. And, and if your personality, if your personality brings disunity to the church, get a new one. Get a new one. If somebody else's personality, you go, I just don't like that kind of personality type. Change your tastes. You know why? Because there's not this option of us. If you read through that passage, he says, I hope they have unity, but they probably won't. So good luck to you. This wasn't a suggestion. This wasn't something that was a, a low priority for Christ. It was something that he prayed for. And when he thought of us today, he said, this is my priority for them. They would have unity bound in love that that the world might know. The world might know and believe. Number four, remind yourself of yourself. Remind yourself of yourself. Um, if you see, you know, what's one of the first verses we teach kids here at this church? Through Awana, through Sunday school, through everything. For all have sinned. All have sinned. Are you included in that? That's you. That's you. And for you to puff your chest out and say, you know, I got a sweet resume that you need to look at in the church here. You know, I, I come from a long line of Christian people. I think Moses, I'm in the line of Moses. You know, if you really go back far enough, Moses was my great, great, you know, all the great, greats down there. That's not, that doesn't hold any weight in the church. There's a sense of humility that we are called to serve one another and not just serve one another, but acknowledge our own sin. That in everything that we say, uh, temper it with, this could be selfish. 
This could be my own puffing up and my own pride wanting this. And if I see myself as that, chances are we won't separate as much because I won't be so repulsive to you. Remember and remind ourselves of ourselves. Number five, forgiveness, forgiveness. Get good at asking forgiveness, forgiving others. Just get good at it. You say, well, doesn't that mean that you'll be weak? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it will. Uh, forgiveness should just flow in this church. It should just flow. It should flow in meetings where we say it, wrong things to one another. It should flow in the hallway where we ignore one another and are too busy and and we offer and receive that. It should flow in our homes with our kids as we, and you say, yeah, your ki- our kids. No, I'm not talking about your kids. I'm talking about you. The offenses that you, we do on our kids all the time. There should be a sense of forgiveness and getting good at it. And you say, well, I don't, I'm not really all that. You're not, if you're not into that, you're not into the gospel. If you look at forgiveness in the New Testament, it's connected to our forgiveness in Christ. And you say, well, I don't like to forgive. I'm going to hold a grudge. Don't do it. Don't do it. There's huge implications of that. And Christ, you know, he says, uh, Paul explains it as well as Christ explained it in his own prayer. He, He talked about forgiveness and he connected it with his own forgiveness of us. That becomes the basis and model for our forgiveness of others is what God has done in Christ in us. Get good at forgiving. And then lastly, uh, reconciliation. Uh, it kind of goes with forgiveness, but reconciliation. In Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18, is a very interesting passage because Christ gives us the model of how to bring someone back and to reconcile. And you say, well, why is it so interesting? If you think about it, the church isn't present yet. And he refers to the church. He, he, he sets us up for success. And, and you, you may not think about it. May, you may think about this. Why is the church so hard? It's the same reason. I think I talked about this a couple of weeks. It's the same reason that marriage is so hard. Why is marriage so hard? Real simple. One sinful person who is good at being sinful alone, and another sinful person who is doing pretty good on themselves as well, they come together, usually without any money, in a small apartment, try to share a bathroom, a bed, and everything else. And they come from different perspectives, both of them right all the time. And you come together and you say, well, why is marriage so hard? It's real simple. Sinful people coming together, trying to share everything. That's why it's hard. It needs the grace of God in a marriage. You think it doesn't need it in a church? Look at all of us. How can we come? It's impossible. It's impossible. So there's a sense in which as we come together, there's going to be problems. But as there are problems, he gives us a model. And as you look at Matthew 18, it's not a recipe or a shop manual. You know, I, I used to have a shop manual for one of the vehicles I owned, and I don't know anything about automotive stuff, but if you get one of those manuals, it tells you step-by-step step what to do, and you start going like this, you know. Okay, where is that? Okay, there it is. 
Take that bulldog. Got it. And you can repair things without knowing anything at all. We are not, we are not uh, cars. We are not cars. We are flesh and bone. But if you look at Matthew 18, the model is simple. Model is simple. One on one. One on one. It's the model. You got a problem with me? I got a problem with you. Uh, don't don't get too technical either. It doesn't matter which way who starts that. If there's a problem, it needs to be dealt with. If you've offended me or if I've offended you, we got to patch that thing up. Whoever makes the first step, don't don't get hung up on the steps, okay? So as you go to one another, as you go to one another, it's one on one. You talk about it. You ask and receive forgiveness. That's the way you patch things up. And it's not just yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. We're fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. So mad at you. I'm not going to trust you. I'm not going to care about you at all. But I'm fine, okay? That's not the way it is. It's we come together in that unity and that love that comes not from us, but from God. Second step, if that doesn't work, you take someone else. And there's a sense of escalation there, but not in a sense of pressure that I'm going to go get the cops, you know. I'm going to go get the authorities here. But, but your goal is to reconcile because we have to, right? Because we have to. This isn't an option. And then if there's a sense, if things continue to go on, if there's sin, if there's sin, blatant sin, that's not just, I don't like the way they did this. If there's blatant sin, take it to the next level and share it with the church. What's the goal here? Reconciliation. Protecting the unity and love. And why? Because, because, this is what's going to win the world to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's heavy, isn't it? I just want to unload that on you this morning and crush you with it. No, no. I, I, to, to be honest, I just want it to be uh, a conversation in our own hearts and lives. I hope that we struggle with this a little bit. How do we do this? How do we do this? Because as we get better at doing this, God's love will flow from us and we will impact this community and really the world as we go out from here. Let's pray and ask that God would give us the grace to do it. God, thank you. Thank you for this amazing passage and the riches that you have bestowed upon us without uh, being worthy. We are not worthy to be trusted with these riches and yet you have given them to us. God, we ask that you would make us a church that is unified around your word through the gospel, that we love one another out of the love that you have given us and that the world might see as we interact at baseball games, on the golf course, at the tennis, on horses, on the schools, at the, the jobs that we do, in our neighborhoods, in everything that we do, that they might see us interacting and loving one another, that you might draw souls to yourself. God, thank you for the precious gospel of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.